Any questions before we get started? No, let's just, uh, I know we want to do this free flow thing, so I'm happy to do that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the five elements of letting go. Discussing mental health openly and freely. And sharing tools and techniques to find peace. Welcome, everyone, to the Five Elements Letting Go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum, and today my guest is Shamir Ladhani. Uh, he's an international cell health speaker, business growth consultant, and has worked and delivered workshops in Canada, the US, Europe, and Mexico. He's passionate about helping others tap into their highest potential by using elegant yet straightforward approaches to shedding limiting beliefs and self debilitating behaviors. So, uh, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> and But your background, from my understanding, is an engineer. Yeah, I'm a recovering engineer, I tell people. Okay, you're the second uh, that's going to be speaking at the uh, wellness retreat. There's another engineer that... Oh, wonderful. Yeah, she ran an engineering firm, and now she um, does, uh, like, Reiki and other things. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I started doing when I, when I started uh, exploring this area. Um, I found as an engineer, I used a lot of my left brain mm -hmm. and then uh, something happened and I began to use creativity and all that. And I really found satisfaction in life. And uh, that's when I hit my head against uh, the, a brick wall called limiting beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, really the journey of my life is around overcoming limiting beliefs and, uh, and way to do that. And as an engineer, I want to find the most efficient way. Mm -hmm. And a linear process that can make sense that, that others can apply to. Okay. And I think I found something. Yeah. So how now you so how many years did you uh, work as an engineer? Uh, close to thirty years. Okay. Yeah. So what was the was there an aha moment? Was it just out of frustration? Was what what drew drew you to you know leaving that field and going into kind of coaching and motivation? Well, the, it was not an aha moment. It was a fear moment. Okay. Like several fear moments. So <clears throat> when I was uh, thick into my engineering um, <clears throat> career, I should say, um, you know, I had two, uh, you know, I was lucky to have two daughters. They were five and six at the time. And I remember just sitting in my living room and uh, opening up a letter from an insurance company. Now, at that time, um, I was 75% heavier than I am now. I was on a host of medications for diabetes, blood pressure, cholesterol, medications to offset side effects of other medications. You know, I was on a ton of medications. And my doctor basically told me you'd have to go on insulin. So I, uh, I was sitting there uh, at my dining table and I had applied for critical illness insurance because I was afraid of leaving something behind for my kids. I needed to do that. Mm -hmm. And at that time when I was married, my wife wasn't working. She was a homemaker, which was really wonderful to have the kids, you know, uh, for her to be there for the kids. And so we decided, uh, you know, that we were going to um, get an insurance for me in case, you know, I die before the kids have a chance to stand on their feet. And I was turned down by insurance companies who highly, uh, got a high rating, so I couldn't afford that. And so at that point in time, I remember standing in my, uh, sitting in my, uh, my, my uh, kitchen area and saying, no, I, I can't do this to my children. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned for them. I love them very much. I'm pretty sure I can beat, um, beat this health issue that I'm getting. I can get off all these meds and I can begin to live in a, in a, in a way that the universe has designed for us to live in. 
our bodies are designed to self-heal. At that time, I didn't know much about self-healing, uh, but I, I had this sudden rush of, you know, almost like crying out to the universe, saying, I got to do something different. Mm -hmm. That was a pivotal moment for me. As soon as that happened, people started coming into my life and, and introducing me to Reiki and body talk and detox methods. And I began to delve into that. And I dove deep into that. And I came across several wonderful healers. And uh, I began to really drink out of the, uh, the well of this new world that I experienced. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I began to become a lot more centered. I began to get healthier. And, you know, every year I would, I would find new, new ways of getting healthier and, and, and better. So my engineering mind kicked in and said, okay, how did you shed all that weight? How did you get off all those meds? And what's going on here? And I started to, you know, document. I said, well, I did Reiki, I did body talk, and I did that. Maybe others, if they did that, they could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. But it turned out that really, and this, the second aha, the big aha moment I had was just maybe, I would say months ago. It's very new. The aha moment I had was, it's got nothing to do with what I did, because what I did was guided by my intuition. But my intuition was stronger because I began to uh, cleanse my body physically and mentally and spiritually. And once that happens, you connect. You connect to the wisdom uh, of the universe. And the, and the universe customizes a plan for you and brings people into your lives. So to me, that's the straightforward answer, is that the answer lies within. But what we have to do is we have to clear out all these layers that somebody else put on you. Like my layer was that when I was growing up, my, 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 the adults growing up around, the adults around me would remind me that, you know, I was not as smart as the other kids. I was, uh, you know, not as um, agile as the other kids, and I was not as athletic as the other kids. And so I began to believe that, and I lived my life in that way. I would always get picked last for sports teams, you know, for example. And so, you know, it was only until the spiritual community that I connected with began to uh, say, hey, you know, you're amazing. I, I never thought of this that way. Mm -hmm. And I would always reject it and say, no, I'm, it's common sense. And I would never own that. And then my, and then my spiritual family just kept, kept coming and reminding me. Until one day I decided, okay, I feel uncomfortable, but I'm going to own it. When I started owning it, I realized that I was cleansing myself from the, sh the layers that I put on. Mm -hmm. Because what others said I was, I began to find myself. And that was, that's basically the key, Jared. You know, if individuals shed off those layers, and there's, and in that moment, I realized that I had limiting beliefs. My limiting beliefs were, you're not good enough. Therefore, you can't do these things. When I switched that around, they started opening up. So if someone's listening and they're like, well, I have a few of those. I can remember people saying this about me, or, and you buy in, you believe, because you hear it so much. Yeah. That's why parents can be so destructive if they're not careful. Right. But so you're saying, I just let go. You know, how how does someone go through the process of releasing a self-limiting belief? The first step, and, the, and the, actually the biggest step, is, is being self-aware. And every one of us is able to do this. Pay attention to the emotions. If these emotions are unwanted, then, then there's a clue for you. Watch what's going on around you. If this is an unwanted emotion, 
shout out to the universe. I want to change this. It's, it's as simple as asking the universe that this is not right. And, and, and I tell people this, that don't ask like, like, a, like a beggar, you know, because when you ask like a beggar, the emotion of that begging it will bring you more of that uh, experience. So I always say, command. Mm-hmm. Command that we are co-creators. We are the divine human beings. This was the toughest part for me. I was brought up wearing another limiting belief that God is above me mm-hmm. and God decides uh, what life I'm going to lead. Whereas I said, no, we're partners. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden kind of realize we're partners. So it's a real mindset change. Once you do that mindset change, then you say, I really want to experience a different life and, I, and, and just feel it. Say, this, I've had enough. You have to almost get angry. Mm-hmm. And anger is a higher vibration than de- depression. But you move through anger to that space of uh, uh, acceptance and then that exhilaration and joy. When you're moving up the scale of, of, of octaves of vibration, and that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. So self-awareness and just telling the universe, I do not want this emotion. Now, mm-hmm. there are practices we go through to get to that point. So once everybody can sense, okay, I don't want this emotion. Once you sense that I don't want this emotion, then how do you get to the point where I want to project and I want to get to a different emotion? You ask for that and you command that. Once you command that, then you practice a breathing technique, which I teach in all of my workshops. It's a, it's a staple and it's inspired by the Heart Math Institute. They teach um, um, first responders and how to maintain awareness when things are going wrong around them or when they come across an accident scene, you know, how to maintain their their, their intelligence Mm -hmm. and and how to quickly react. It's almost like a surgeon who sees blood splattering all over and the surgeon does not, he or she does not react adversely. They just know what to do. Mm -hmm. So having that centeredness in face of adversity, then you can find your way out of there and there's a process for that. And Heart Math Institute has come up with some of these techniques that I incorporate uh, to do that. And so a simple technique I'd like to share with your, with mm-hmm. your uh, listeners. Sure. <clears throat> it's called a heart-focused breathing. And Heart Math Institute has, has developed this heart-focused breathing. So basically, you place your awareness in the area of the heart. Mm-hmm. And then you take slow, deep, gentle breaths. And imagine that these breaths are flowing in and out of your heart. Basically, what that does is that it helps you keep maintain presence uh, in your body. That's where the self-awareness happens. Mm -hmm. Your heart has a magnetic field that reaches out five to eight feet beyond your body, Mm -hmm. all around. Your brain's magnetic field is like one to two inches away from your head. So your heart has a huge power to synchronize everything in your body. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually breathe and imagine it coming from your heart, you're creating that state of coherence in your body. Now you're connecting. You're connecting and centering yourself. If at that point in time, when we're doing this slow breathing technique, breathing in and out, five seconds breathe in, five seconds breathe out. Make sure the breaths are symmetrical as you're playing your uh, basic awareness in your area of the heart. If you feel yourself becoming calmer, there is a benchmark for you that says that you are revving high. Mm-hmm. You are wasting a lot of energy yeah. in your body. Therefore, now this. Then what happens is you say, okay, this is my new normal. Mm-hmm. Lock it in. When you lock this in, then your body will begin to know when it's drifting away from that baseline. That's essentially self-awareness. Then you go through the process of asking the universe, etc. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the like that 
idea of the EMP pulse off the heart, really. Like, you know, it's interesting. I, for those listening, the idea on how this would work is you think about um, you're taking your dog for a walk or you're watching a dog, and dogs mostly um, are excited to see just about any human. So from a distance, a dog will see someone and they'll come up and they'll be all friendly. But if that person is stressed, got a lot of anxiety, fear, if that imbalance is in them, animals can sense that once they get within that uh, kind of three to five feet of you. In that range, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sure someone's heard this or seen this, where all of a sudden a dog will, yep, as soon as they get close to that person because they can sense that. They're like, whoa, something's off. This person is not in a good place. Um, I want to back up. And that's a signal to the owner that this dog just wants to continue on. They don't want to. And and that people give off that vibe when they're not in a good place. Actually, humans can, can also sense that. Yeah. Well, that's why, you know, of course, no one can see this, but we're sitting within, what, two and a half, three feet of each yeah. other. So I set, my intake is always set up this way because... There's something about being in that space with someone, that close space. And uh, sometimes all it takes is someone sitting down across from me, sitting in that bubble with me, you know, for even a minute or so, and they're already crying. Because if you can provide that calm, safe, centered, you know, energy for a patient, their ability to open up and heal and everything happens quite a bit uh, more than Without that, and I, I used to practice from behind a desk. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember how many years ago was it that I'm just like, no, this isn't. I, I want to be, you know, <laughs> almost knees touching. <laughs> it can be a little uncomfortable at first for some people, but as soon as they sit down and get in that, they forget about it fairly quickly. And that's the important part: is people don't realize that sometimes all you do need to do is sit with people and mm -hmm. just hold space. Yeah. You don't have to say anything because your energy does so much work. Mm -hmm. And studies have shown, HeartMath did a study, uh, I can share that with you. They had they had uh, three people who knew how to do these more advanced techniques than the one I, I, I shared with you today. Mm -hmm. But more advanced techniques of heart coherence. So they would do the breathing technique and then they would, they would invite um, appreciation and gratitude and they knew how to do this really well. So three of them were doing that. And they, they had the uh, monitoring devices so that scientists behind the glass could see that they reached a state of uh, coherence and balance in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And you can measure that. They brought in a fourth person who had no idea what they were doing there. You know, they, they were just told, just sit down. Mm -hmm. They had no practice, nothing, just sit down. And they had baseline this person, and this person was not coherent. And as they sat down, over time, in a very short time, this person started becoming coherent without even doing any practices. Mm -hmm. So it basically showed that you as an individual and I as an individual, if we are coherent, we can affect other people mm -hmm. and in a positive way. As a matter of fact, Greg Braden has, uh, has, uh, has uh, reported that if you want to calculate how many people it takes to change the consciousness of a population, it's a square root of 1% of that population is all they need to be in that state of coherence to affect the entire population. So it's a very small amount of people that need to do this um, in order to bring harmony mm -hmm. to a family unit, to an yeah. organizational unit, etc. Yeah. It's interesting, there's people that I've met that know nothing about this, but that's just who they are. Yeah. You know, they have this, this balance and peace in them. And, you know, I'm sure everyone has someone like that in their life where they just like 
being with them, just spending time with them. They're not sure why. Yes. You know, sure, they're great friends, they're family, and they're supportive, but there's something about that energy around them that, you know, provides that sense of peace. And, yes. you know, like you said, even spending time around those people help to balance you out. Absolutely. And this, this energy that we have, you know, if you have a coherent energy, that's deposited in the space that you, because remember, this is an electromagnetic field mm-hmm. that we have in our hearts. Well, the earth has a standing electromagnetic field. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, got an, it's got a field. And so this, these fields interact. And so when, when, when people who have a, you know, this coherent state in, in their hearts, they leave a place, you can sense that energy still there. And the other way is true, too. If there's been a huge strife or a huge anxiety in a room, you can actually walk in a room and feel the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that's a, those are the things that as you become more intuitive and, and as you start becoming more self-aware, you can actually sense into what food do I need? What, what person will help me in my next stage? You know, should I accept this job? All of those things will actually become a lot more clear. The key is how to get to that place. And, 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 and it's, it's simpler, sim, simpler, simple in, content, in concept, but it's, it's a challenge because you can't have, this is a journey you have to take yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, others can support you, coach you, guide you. Uh, and this is what I do for my clients. I say, I can't take you there, but I can show you how to get there. And you have to allow your own body to reprogram itself because I can't do that for you. Nobody can do that for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, Sounds a lot like reaching that state of Zen and how a, um, you know, traditionally a teacher would help people achieve it because it's not something that you know intellectually. It's not something that you can study for. Um, It's, you know, and again, with, uh, you know, achieving states of Zen, it's a matter of letting go of things and making that space for emptiness to, get those places. And I think too, when people think of that, they think of it as this like permanent change, but it's not, you know, you get glimpses of this feeling of, of balance and, you know, coherence or whatever, whichever word you choose, Zen, so on. Uh, but it's, we're continually striving to, uh, be in that state, not striving to be that, because again, if we go back to how it works, you can't work your way into it. <laughs> and the harder you work to try to achieve something like that, you get further away from it. Yes. Because it's not a, um, you know, there's there's tools and processes you can work through to kind of let go and open yourself up to it. But they come when we're ready and we're in that right state. And we can get closer to it, you know, through proper practice and, and techniques. But that, uh, you know, that, I don't know, that deep balance that just comes on in a state of Zen isn't, uh, uh, it's not a permanent you know, thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. A lot of things you said, it's just wonderful, uh, wonderful information that you've provided right now. And I just want to unpack one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's the part about where you are um, in that state of Zen. And, you know, I have experienced a, 
and I can't call it Zen. Uh, at that time, I, I can call it heart opening. Mm-hmm. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, my heart just opened up and I started feeling love. Mm-hmm. Love that I had never felt before. Like I thought I knew what love was. This took it up to a next level. Yeah. And this happened 20 years ago or so. And I haven't had that experience since. Okay. So I thought, okay, I, you know, I had that one experience and now it's gone away and I'm back to where I was before. But in reality, what I've realized uh, uh, that... When I had that heart opening, my body adjusted to that level of opening. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that uh, I wasn't uh, going to ever feel that love again. It just means that, that I'm used to that level of love mm-hmm. that I'm experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and it becomes normal. It's like you're sitting in a hot tub and you know the water is, feels wonderful the first time you get in from a cold, from a cold environment. Mm-hmm. But you get, the body gets used to it. Now, it doesn't feel as amazing as, mm-hmm. as you did that until mm-hmm. the next level comes up, mm-hmm. right? So that's exactly how I see Zen. And, 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 I, and I like the second thing you said. It's a never-ending process mm-hmm. because human potential on it from, a, from an energetic and spiritual level is never-ending. As soon as you hit one level of, let's say, for example, I teach this. I said, you know, you've overcome this limiting belief. You've replaced it with this other belief, which is the, the, the steps I take people through. So you've now got this new, new, new belief which replaces your limiting belief. And I say, in however long it takes for you to achieve your new uh, reality, and, 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 and you'll get there, however long it takes you, as, as you approach that new reality, that becomes your, your, new, that becomes your new limiting belief because mm-hmm. the next level mm-hmm. is waiting for you. Yeah. So you can <laughs> actually over, get to that state of Zen, but that becomes your normal state and you're reaching for something greater and greater and greater. And I find that in, in modern times, like in, in, you know, in, in the last year or two, there's an acceleration. Everybody that I'm speaking with, and I meet a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people, everybody's going through this rapid transformation. Everybody's saying, I want to do something different. I'm not mm-hmm. satisfied with what I'm, what I'm doing. And they've got, they're, they're feeling this dark, what they describe, and I describe this as dark night of the soul. I went through it myself not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But when I actually applied the tools, because now I know, I've got a linear process. Apply the tools. Within a few weeks, everything turned around for me. I started, the doors just portals mm-hmm. wide open. Mm-hmm. And that's really the key. It, it, it's it's got to do with inside you. you got to start there. Because we try and do things that say, okay, I don't like this situation. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. The key, the, the thing with that is you are taking yourself there. Which means you're not getting rid of <laughs> the, the, the self-limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. But if you got rid of the self-limiting beliefs and got, got a new set of them, then you can go there and take a new you there. Mm-hmm. So really, it's all about uh, all about looking at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I know it's, uh, I'm trying to remember that quote from the Buddha about suffering, how it, you know, and it really is a reward. It's a, it's a positive signal suffering because it's showing you, all right, either your thoughts or your behaviors or where in your life is not in balance. It's not where it should be. And we often look at suffering and you know, try to control it, try to stop it at a very physical level without understanding, you know, and, and, and everyone wants, I, I, sometimes I get patients and like, they have back pain. Well, they don't know why they have back pain. Nothing happened, but they have this back pain. But they have to figure out they need an answer to heal. And I'm like, you don't have to know why. You don't have to understand the purpose. You're, the suffering is just there to help you recognize that the path you're on is not working for you. And, you know, 
it's your choice to walk another path. It's your choice to let go of that. And once we can, um, you know, get up enough courage or we have the supports or, you know, some people can do it on their own in an instant, but some people need to build up for that. Be like you said, you know, that self-awareness that, oh, okay, I'm doing this to me. Now I just need to uh, learn how to live in a more balanced, healthy way and, and to work through those steps. Because suffering in itself, yeah, it's not fun, but we can change our perspective because, again, suffering is comparison. Suffering is uh, competition. Suffering is, you know, holding on to negative beliefs and harmful habits. But as we choose to, you know, honor ourselves and, you know, balance and let go of that suffering, you know, then we, we need less. We desire less and we can find that peace in the moment rather than continually you know because that's one of my fears and concerns with self-help and wellness and coaching and all of this is this idea of uh you know it sits on the form the foundation of our culture of capitalism of continual growth you know better and better this and that when, when we're already enough it's just, it's about letting go of those things that are limiting us from being who we are. Does yes. that? Yes, I, I, I completely I, agree. Again, okay. you've packed a bunch of stuff in that wisdom that you've shared here. Beautiful. Uh, you know, the, the idea of suffering is, again, part of self-awareness, as you mentioned. It's a self-awareness. I'm suffering. It's an unwanted emotion. How can I change this? And you brought up a very important concept about now that you've realized that you're 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 the one in charge of this, so you're no longer a victim. Things are not happening to me, but I'm doing something. My emotional state is doing something that allows me to experience life in this way, mm-hmm. and that's why suffering is a gift. Unwanted emotions are a gift because they're clues to saying this is unwanted comparison, like you said. You know, uh, and so what is it that I really want? And and it gets you into that state of what is it that I really want. Now you mentioned capitalism. You know, we can talk. I, you know, we, we all we've all heard of Tony Robbins, and Tony Robbins comes from a suffering environment, right? He was he bore, was born poor into a poor family, but all of a sudden, at that point in time, he says, "I don't want to live like this," and boom, he's on this path. So, the universe gives you gifts that allow you to make a choice, and you can stay in that suffering. And most people will stay in the state of suffering when they think the unknown that, that, that is waiting for them uh, is, is, uh, is more painful than, than where they are now. But mm-hmm. they'll come to a point where they'll, they'll say, this is so much, uh, this is so painful right now that I, I'd rather go to the unknown. Mm-hmm. And that is where they find that freedom yeah. it's because now they're going to unknown. And the part about uh, letting go, it's not easy for people. They understand intellectually letting go uh, and, and, and is, is, is something that's needed in order to reach the next level. The important part about you know, bringing it down one concept lower, which gets you to that letting go, is trust in the universe, trust in yourself. And to get to that trust to a point where you trust the universe, all you have to do is convince yourself in your mindset that if I follow my heart, because the heart is where the divine speaks to me, because the magnetic field is a demonstration of how huge this thing is, 
how I can interact with others before I even speak to them. So if I if if my heart is open, then every decision I make is guided by by the matrix, by the field, mm-hmm. by the divine source. And so, therefore, if you truly believe that, you will trust it. Mm-hmm. And if you trust it, that's the part that will allow you to let go. Because mm-hmm. everyone, uh, often when people suffer, their life's not going the way they want. They try to control everything yes. to get the result they want. Now, I always try to help patients understand the first step is to realize there's absolutely no control. Right. Because you can't control anything externally. Of you. you can't control your partner. You can't control your kids. You can't control the prime minister. You can't, <laughs> you can't control anyone else. And once you realize that you have no control, then that's when you're ready to realize you have all the control. Because the only control that matters is internally. How do I respond? How do I feel? How do I think? All of those things. And that's where the real work needs to happen. I think we all want to, you know, force everyone else to act some way or do some way or create this system. Or if they just, if they're all part of my religion or if they all joined my team that's, you know, against this, then the world would be a better place. When... None of that freaking matters. It doesn't, doesn't. Because fit. those will always fluctuate, always change up and down. We've done this continually. I do think we're always moving in a more balanced state. Yes. Because the more people that find it, the more it draws. But to think that uh, you know somehow external control is going to make the world you want, that's never going to happen. Yeah. So let's let go of that and... You know, find the peace in the moment, find the joy in ourselves and our peace. And, you know, like a, one of my favorite sayings I have a tattooed on my right hand is amor fati, which is Latin for love your fate, uh-huh. where we don't judge moments. We don't judge people. Right. You know, we accept what's coming and, you know, the more we try to manipulate the situation or make it happen a certain way, you know, we're constantly comparing it to other things, we won't find that peace. And if we can, you know, focus on our inward control, we'll find a lot more power. Now, one thing about control is you can't have control and say, I also trust the universe, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you're controlling an outcome or if you're trying to control an outcome, it never works, as you said, and I agree with you. Uh, you're not trusting the universe to to put things in your path. I'm guilty of that. I've been doing, I've been controlling a lot of things, and then I let go. And when I let go, I feel odd and awkward. You're talking about an engineer yeah. who used to work in an uh, environment where I used to plan 25 years out yeah. of the power systems and all that. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking to somebody who wants, who's now learning to let go, and allow the heart to just guide you. Now that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I don't plan my days or set meetings up. Mm-hmm. What it means is that I take my uh, one, uh, if I put a template down and say, this is how I want to achieve my objective, then I take step one. And if it looks like there, I'm, I'm walking through molasses to get there, I know that's not the uh, vortex that I need to step into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, simple example, I, uh, I, 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 I recently decided I was going to bridge my two um, uh, uh, efforts uh, that I uh, for my business. One was going to corporate clients and, and growing their businesses and, and helping them 
um, manage change, uh, you know, working with people, processes, systems. And the other part was uh, doing workshops uh, on science and spirituality. And so at that time, I was just struggling. It was like, you know, two steps forward, one step back, all of those things, because I had these two little branches going on. Very recently, I said, why can't I put all that together? Why can't I take the spiritual talk, turn it into language that would be appealed to the corporate clients, but also serve people in the same way that I serve when I'm on stages and helping individuals connect deeper within. And so when I made that choice, uh, it was within weeks, all of a sudden opportunities just jumped out of nowhere, out of the shadows. And two weeks ago, I, I applied for this uh, position to teach at a, at a university in Vancouver, uh, business strategy. I got interviewed within two days, offer came in the next day, and now I'm saying, okay, I feel like a dog that's chasing a car. Mm-hmm. I grabbed the bumper, now what? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and, and my daughter went through the same thing. So yeah. these are the kinds of things that happen when you when you actually have this moment mm-hmm. that of letting go, yeah. trusting the universe. It's so important to say, if I'm going to open my heart and follow through, trust the universe, and then trust it and just sit back, and it just happens. Mm-hmm. Sounds really cool. Yeah. So um, now you're presenting at the Foothills Wellness Retreat as well. But can you give us an idea on what to expect? As people are listening, they're like, okay, I, I need to go <laughs> listen to this guy. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> so I, I'm doing two workshops. Uh-huh. One is called The Power of One. And there I take people through a, a, a process, more of a, a look back and saying, why are we looking always outside of us? To, um, to find answers. You know, it, it's good to, you know, contact someone like yourself, uh, Dr. McCallum, and someone like myself to help you with your blind spots. Mm-hmm. It's not good to lean on us as crutches. So why is it that people are so used to, I need somebody to, to be my guru, somebody to, that I can follow, mm-hmm. and religions and all that. It's because I show them ever since the dawn of time, that we, we've been accustomed to that. Yeah. And maybe the energy at that time was appropriate. Maybe we weren't as intellectually uh, leaning at that time that we needed somebody to tell us, hey, wash your hands uh, you know, uh, before you eat or something, or don't eat from a cracked plate, as, as is in one of the uh, scriptures mm-hmm. uh, that I'm, I'm familiar with. So now uh, we're in a different world. And, and, and you see the shift happening around the late 18th century, 19th century, where, where all these... Uh, people like you know, Tony Robbins and Lee Carroll, my you know, love Lee Carroll. I don't know if people have heard of Cryon, but Lee Carroll. And then there's Dr. Joe Dispenza, Greg Brain. All of these people mm-hmm. started popping up. You know, they're the, the modern mystics, scientists. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and th- their message is very clear. You need to step into your own world and ignite yourself from inside out is essentially what they're saying. But we still hang on to that. So I show them how to break from that and become self-empowered. And you mentioned that earlier, is to how to become more self-empowered and how to step into your own power. And then all the possibilities open up. So that's the first, um, it's called the power of one. Okay. Second one's talking about heart-centered leadership. This is, you know, defining what is a leader. A leader is someone that actually can, 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 can be catalyze somebody's life so that they have uh, an elevated perspective, they have an elevated experience of life. A mom, a stay-at-home mom, is a leader. I mean, the most important job a parent has is to really work with a little child, 
and influence a little child because up until the age of seven, that child is just absorbing. There's no, they're just taking everything like you and mm-hmm. I put on our, you know, belief systems. That's when this limiting belief systems get, get seeded right there and then. So, you know, a mom is a leader. I show people how to look at themselves as a leader, even if they don't have a title. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I coach uh, people who want to move up to their career level, I basically say to them, you need to have a mindset of one level above you hierarchically before anybody's going to take a chance and promote you. You got to be working at a level of a manager if you're a senior um, uh, engineer in my, my world, mm-hmm. uh, you have to be working at that level so that when they come and promote you, that they don't have to do any more training in that realm. They, they know you can hit the ground running. They'll pick mm-hmm. you right away. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is we have to be leaders before somebody can even recognize us as being leaders. And the best leader in the world is somebody who who is uh, people naturally gravitate to. It doesn't matter who is the, the CEO of the thing. People will naturally gravitate to you because you've got the energy field, you're, you're trustworthy, you're unique. So I, I show them the different uh, areas of how they can actually step into their leadership form because there are people, and I always say this, there are people waiting for you to get your crap together. Yeah. <laughs> so get on it because those people yeah. need your service. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the two workshops. Oh. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So if someone's listening and they're like, okay, I want one-on-one support from you. Right. How, how did they get a hold of you? Um, well, uh, my, my website is called Ignite from Inside Out. Okay, I'll, put, I'll put that in the description. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's actually a, a, a quiz or a survey there that mm-hmm. you can take first to find out if limiting beliefs are holding you back. And, and it's free to take. Just go ahead and do that. And then there's information about how you can connect with me, either take an online program that's self-paced, or you can do one-on-one with me. Uh, all the information's on the website, and uh, you know they can, well, uh, they can schedule something uh, at that time. Oh, sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you for taking the time to thank chat you. with me today. Thank you. I really sure enjoyed our ideas. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be many people very excited to come and visit your sessions at the Foothills Wellness Retreat. Right, and not as excited as I am to be there. Yeah, it's going to be a great group. It's be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I've, so far I've been able to sit down with, I think, about seven of the presenters. Wow. So it'll be some really cool people wow. there. Well, you don't have to attend any of the sessions now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's very smart. All right, well, thank you for your time, sir. Thank you, Dr. McCallum. Really appreciate it.